Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we are embracing the cool 90-degree days of autumn, but still rejecting pumpkin spice as a legitimate topic of culinary yeah. conversation. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini. Our prodigal producer has returned this yeah. week with Rich Johnson joining us in his home away from home, Oscar's Steakhouse in the Plaza. And co-hosting this show once again is OffTheStrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens. With these two in the house, I'm not really sure that my presence is necessary, but what the fuck, I'm here. Let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah. How are you? You know we love having you here. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, man. You know, it's uh, just another day in paradise here in Las Vegas. Right? Now, Rich has been, you know, yeah. traveling the world. Uh, well, ducks, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the, the Willamette Valley from top to bottom <laughs> a couple of times. And I do have to say, by the time the end of my 10-day trip uh, got there, it was like 55, 60 and cloudy, perfect sweater weather. Although I'm, I'm walking around in a hoodie I bought because it was wear black night at the Ducks game uh, last mm-hmm. Saturday. And I'm very comfortable walking around the malls and all that. And everybody else, Northwest people, shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've lost whatever Pacific Northwest. Uh, uh, cred? Uh, yeah, cred, cred mojo, uh, stamina I once had. I am a Southwest desert wimp. Yes. Uh, so we are here at the beautiful Plaza Hotel in Oscar's Steakhouse, right on Main Street and um, the corner of Main and Fremont. Rich, you're going to be recording your corner yeah. of Main Street? On the corner of Main Street, the only podcast uh, from a Las Vegas hotel casino, hosted by its very own CEO, Jonathan Jossel. Jonathan's a cool cat. Tell him I want him to get the Demolition Derby back here, man. Yeah. I love that thing. Have you ever seen that, Samantha? I have not. That would be amazing. Oh, it's fucking awesome. It's like yeah. a flashback to happy days and, you know, yeah. what is it, Leather Tuscadero yeah. or Pinky, whichever yeah. one of them. Oh, man, it was just <laughs> awesome, man. And yeah, they do that here. But Sign I, me up. I remember that from Wide World of Sports. I would see that, uh, you know, once a year. They would. Yeah. You know, and you have to back it up because you don't want to crash your front because you blow up your radiator and you're out. So everybody's trying to back into each other. Yeah. And they do that here. And it's, yeah. It's fucking awesome, man. You just sit there. Oh, I'm in. I mean, it is like, you know, I, th- there are not a lot of, I'm not one of these guys that like gets into a lot of like what, what would traditionally be called like red state activities, sure. right? I'm not a hunter. <laughs> I'm, I'm no not NASCAR like, for you. Know, you. Yeah. I don't go see NASCAR. I mean, I, nothing against those things. They're just not me. I I'm like a concierge kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Um, but fucking demolition derby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got me, people. You got me I, there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing so, on the schedule, but Jonathan said last time. He's looking at it. Okay, we'll tell him we're talking about it. All right, we're talking about it already. Oh, okay. Well, we're so far off topic now. Let's just um, (laughs) put the demolition car in reverse and try this from the start. And, you know, it's time for the start of the show, and it wouldn't be food and loathing if we did not try to make you salivate with envy over the things that we have recently consumed. Gemini, would you like to jumpstart the drooling this week? I would. Um, You guys, since we last sat down, I had a couple of really fun and delicious experiences. Um, I spent Friday night in two places. Uh, We ate at Libertine Social inside Mandalay Bay. Hadn't been there in a really long time. My aunt and uncle were in town for the Raider game on Sunday. So we all got together and uh, we were there a little early. So we sat at the bar first. And of course, it was Negroni week still. So I had to order Negroni. Um, if you know, <laughs> <I don't need laughs> Negroni's 
did you drink during yeah. Negroni Week? Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> probably like eight or nine at eight or nine different places. Can't it, count. It's a holiday, you yes. know. <laughs> um, if you know Libertine Social, then you know Tony Abu Ghanem. Um, he wasn't there that night. Obviously, he's a very busy man. I think he's recovering from shoulder surgery or something. Um, but on the menu, they have a draft Negroni. Um, I opted against that one because our barman, Jeff, seemed to really know what he was doing. So he made me a custom one. It was absolutely delicious. Perfect way to sit around and wait for family. Um, we sat down at the table. And I hadn't eaten there in so long. I forgot how beautifully simple and tasty the food is. Yeah. Um, John and I split a 20-ounce bone-in ribeye. We had a beet salad. We had these roasted mushrooms that were lovely. My aunt got a cheeseburger that was like the size of her head. Uh, <laughs> and my, my uncle opted for the Branzino, which made me a little bit envious because I love a good Branzino. And it was just Perfect. Now, I, um, I have to ask, yeah. and I'm, I feel ignorant here that I don't know this off the top of my head, but who's running the kitchen over there now? Because oh. it was Richard Camarado was running it for Sean McClain for a while, right? And then other people within Sean's right, organization. Right, and I feel bad I didn't check. Okay, yeah, because I'm not sure <laughs> I know if there's it's changed, still that association even with Sean. And I know if I anymore. heard the name, it would pop out. And I want to say Sean still might have something to do with it. But yeah, yeah I, I want to say I read it was different and I don't okay, our apologies for not knowing that. We're sorry, gonna, guys. No, we'll we do a little you. research, man. It gives me something to look up this week. No worries. Um, I'm sorry, and I interrupted your whole flow right, there. That's all right. That's all right. So um, one of the other things I really like about that place is that, you know, there's a lot of places inside casinos that feel super touristy or super, you know, over the top. And I don't get that here. Like, I love places with mixed materials, really fun artwork on the wall. You know, we were in the room, if you really kind of go back from the casino entrance where there's big windows. So the whole experience was really nice. Service was fantastic. And uh, yeah, we had a really great meal. Um, left there, we went back to Sparrow and Wolf where we recorded last week, uh, at least part of the last week. And uh, John hadn't had a Negroni yet. So we had to go and get oh. one of Barman David's uh, Negroni flights that we tried. So The ones we tried last week on the air. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday, one of my favorite things, Ada's Wine Bar in Tivoli Village, the third Sunday of every month, does Jackson's Fried Chicken, also called Bubbles and Birds. And he does this super crispy but not heavy, really light coating, za'atar, rosemary, fried chicken. You get five pieces and a bottle of bubbly for, I think it was $45 or something. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So we opted to take ours to go. We've been had a really busy couple of weeks. And so we brought them home. The wine goddess cat over there, she texted me and asked me what I wanted for my wines. I said, I trust you. Uh, so we had a beautiful golden brute of some court, I think Belair, Belair. And then we had this, pet, I can never say it. It's like Pizza Lotto. Um, and it's a winery that does this beautiful rosé bubbles. And so we ate chicken for lunch and dinner. We had a bottle of wine with each. Sorted. All all perfect. <laughs> it was done. Definitely a home meal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And which, which somebody else got to cook and it was really easy cleanup. Okay, I'll go next, I guess. Um, members of the media were invited into Resorts World's new subterranean tequila bar, Jalisco Underground, last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a space, a space that I've spoken about before in the basement of Wally's. Um, it was previously being used as a private event space. Uh, I attended an Emmett Smith party down there. I had heard about Katy Perry throwing an after party or two in the space. Um, it is now open to the public. 
And it even has its own entrance, so you don't have to walk through Wally's. Although I liked walking through Wally's, <laughs> and being yeah. all secret. I think and Wally's shit. is beautiful. Why wouldn't yeah. you? But I guess they don't want people trudging through on their way to a tequila bar all day and all night, every or all night, I should say, and late into the night. So um, now, instead, you enter through a door on the casino floor. There were some velvet ropes, all that posh, posh shit. When I went to the party, there was a mariachi right. band thing. You get through. We walked around a little winding corridor. You get into the elevator. You go downstairs. Downstairs, um, you know, it's it's pretty similar to what I had experienced there before. I mean, I guess the question is, can it be as cool now? that it's open to the public, as it was when it was super hip. Probably not. I mean, you know, if you were just to analyze the room, the space, the vibe, it is 100% as cool as it was when, it was, uh, when I was raving about it, okay. right? But now it's not secret. And now it's not so much a speakeasy, because there's a big sign for it anyway. Does it get crowded? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back when it's not just media days. But, you know, for me, like, this is how petty and, and sad I am and how bad my <laughs> life is. I mean, okay. as someone who has spent his lifetime battling his own self-esteem issues by trying to get into the cool places that other people can't get into, <laughs> it's definitely lost a bit of its cachet. You know the old saying, I would never join a club that would have me as a oh, member? Thank you, Groucho. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to go to a club that would let me in, you know? <laughs> And, you know, if you're still fighting those emotional battles, then, yeah, it's lost some of its cool. If you agree with Anna Delvey that VIP is oh always better. <laughs> Netflix um, reference. Yeah. Then, yes, yeah, it is. it's lost some of its cool. But, you know, on the flip side, if you're a well-adjusted human being who never cared about VIP, then I would say that you've got to try this place. It's cool. It's chill. And you should have some fun there when you go. So there you go. Maybe There's maybe I'll take my guests this weekend. We'll, t- we'll see what it's like to be a part of the roaming public and see how it goes. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the public will agree with it. Deal is, if I'm going to Resorts World as a member of the public and um, you know, I'm just going to wait online to get wherever and I'm going to yeah. get on it fucking elevator to get to a club because I hate getting on an elevator to get anywhere. It just makes yeah. the lines horrible. I just, it sucks. There are places I'll do it for. Um, if I'm going to do that in Resorts World, I'm going up to Ali on 66. That there place you go. just crushes yeah. it. It's one of my favorite places. <laughs> but yet, this is a very cool space. I've had a lot of fun there in the past. It's now open to the public. So yeah, it's very cool that it's open. Awesome. Um, this weekend was all about life is beautiful for me. Uh, you know, what can I say? I went to one of the cocktail schools. That was really fun. Um, I saw a bartender from the Zook group. Uh, she refused to give a cocktail demo. Instead, she just told stories. <laughs> and then I saw my boy, Gene, my man, my friend, um, a great bartender and a great barbecue guy, Gene Samuel. Oh, he yeah. led a little bit of a ter- twerking competition oh, while goodness. I was there. So, yeah, I mean, it pretty Did you much- win? I did not compete, no. Um, there Thank are things you. that I will do with my ass in public, and that's not one of them. Um, also went to the pizza. Man, first of all, bravo oh. to Vincent Rotolo. It just yep. absolutely amazing what he did at that pizza yeah. setup. You know, they, and he started telling me about it. They got these great, you know, amazing pizza ovens delivered. They were donated, yeah. right? They got their ingredients donated by oh, some of goodness. the best suppliers in the world for pizza guys. So a lot of these pizza makers were using stuff that they may not be able to afford to yeah. in their own yeah. restaurants, oh, right? And now were, I have envy for yeah, sure. Making brilliant pizzas. I hung out with Tony Gemignani. Oh. Made a special, you know, I got one of his specialty pizzas. I hung out with Vincent. I got one of his specialty pizzas. I hung out with John Arena. Needless to say, I ate a lot of fucking pizza. You ate pizza. a lot of pizza. Um, and yeah. <laughs> but it was fantastic. And I have to say bravo to them. I did not eat anything at the cookout, but Justin Kingsley Hall, Jean Paul Labadie, the team from um, Haleo I saw over there, they were all making really good stuff over the open yep. fire. Looked fantastic. Um, you know, bravo to the Life is Beautiful people. There were not very many bands on that bill that I want to see. And there's a guy who's been to over 100 outdoor festivals and probably five to 10,000 concerts in my life. Yeah. Um, 
I don't like, I'm not the guy who's going to sit around and sit on asphalt for three hours between the two bands that I like to see. Agreed. So that's just my thing. I'm old, whatever. But it was a great event, man. I, I, I think they did a cool job. Did any anybody else make it out there? I did not make it out there. Um, I was really kind of hoping to, but we had some stuff come up. So uh, the wristband that was made available to me, I was able to make available to somebody else. So pay cool. it forward kind of stuff. Uh, but I did live vicariously through stories on, Insta- on Instagram, of course. And I saw a lot of the food stuff. I saw the, some of the stuff that you were posting. I saw some of the music. Um, what I really like this year, I got to share really quick, is so many of my friends have been having children in the past few years. And so I saw a lot of them having their first festivals with their tiny little headphones on to protect their ears, just dancing around and having a good time. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was it was a very cool event. And, you know, the Rolling Stones in for the first time this year. I haven't seen any drop-off in any quality. If anything, things are, are, are as good or as better than the past two or three years. Um, so, yeah, I think they're doing a great job. And it's really cool, too. Um, it was great to get back out there, even if I am, you know, not hip to the music yeah. the kids are digging these, these kids today i mean yeah. we, sue's in love with wet leg so we saw wet legs full set okay wet leg reminds me of like if you were to take a band from say the all over me soundtrack or squeeze basically a riot girl band yep. like a queer riot girl band from the 90s I'm in. and yeah. replace their rage that 90s rage with like millennial boredom of Billie eilish oh, right like if you were to do that oh, that's what wet leg sounds like to me i know what is, i'm listening to when i get home yeah i mean it's, it's fucking cool and they were great so i saw that i don't know again how are you not their marketing director <laughs> right I, you know i think i painted a pretty specific picture there damn it years of writing about music oh. <laughs> yeah uh who likes bacon oh my gosh yeah we could do bacon. yeah i know you guys like bacon more than me i should have sent you to this damn tasting <laughs> that i went to yesterday i mean i had a great time so bacon nation is coming to the d it's not here yet. It's still, it still hasn't it opened is for It's still under construction. Okay. Oh, they had the media in to do a little tasting. You may have seen my mohawk in the background of yeah. Vegas's photos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all up. He uses it for, <laughs> so you can judge the size of yeah. a, um, a mohawk Bloody Mary for, against my mohawk. I like um, how you're a metric. <laughs> I am a metric. Yeah, the Al mohawk. Um, but, you know, we were over there. They had us up in the, the top in that bar Canada at the D. And they started bringing out these bacon dishes. Oh and my God. I mean, look, if you're a bacon fanatic, if you believe everything goes better with bacon, even bacon, then you people are just all going to orgasm all over this place because it is just, it is the bacon wet dream. I mean, 65% of the items on the menu will contain either bacon or another pork product. The other 35% can have bacon added. You can, by the way, ask for things without bacon. Um, Why would you go and ask for something without bacon? <laughs> I, know. I, mean, I, I want ham today. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But you can. I just want to make that clear. You vegans, you know, I'm sure you'll be rushing out there for a place that... Said, oh God, he gave me a number, something like... I, I can't even remember the number, but it was like 175,000 tons of bacon oh they planned to go through a year. I don't know, just something ridiculous, yeah. man. You know, I'd maybe pounds. I, it was just crazy talk. Uh, but they give you, you know, bacon flights. Cool. Chocolate-covered bacon and yes. a teriyaki bacon. Bacon bites, um, little bite-sized yeah. nuggets of bacon. Bacon. We got the reverse BLT, where instead of where the bread's supposed to be, there are woven mats of oh, bacon. Now we are talking. And where the bacon's supposed to be, there's bread in the middle. Uh, oh, um, oh, God. Okay. they're going to do, we didn't try it, there's going to be a bacon burrito where the bacon is the tortilla oh or the wrap, okay. I should bacon say. Bacon Nation, yeah. I'm putting this out there now. Um, Call Gemini. There's a there's an Elvis <laughs> milkshake, which is peanut butter, banana, yes! and bacon with some whiskey in it. Oh, my God. Um, I think that whatever that peanut butter fucking whiskey is that oh. it would never 
whatever one and anything yeah, yeah. else. Yeah, but why it's horrible you put it on its this? own, but I guess if you're going to mix it with something, yeah, yeah um, I can get it behind it. I don't know. I'm probably forgetting it, but I think I've kind of painted the picture <laughs> oh, as yeah. best I need to. Uh, on on the greater level, kudos to Derek Stevens for not forgetting about the D. I mean, with all the shiny objects of the last two years here across the street at Circa and in a Golden Gate gets a little spillover. I was kind of worried. And the that event the space. D, and the event space. Yep. I was kind of worried that he'd forget about the D. Uh, as much as I love it here at Oscars, I have a soft spot for Andiamo. Oh, absolutely. It's so wonderful and quiet. One of my great little hideaways on Fremont Street. And the fact that uh, between Andiamo still going strong and Bar Canada a year ago and now this Bacon Nation thing, the D is still happening. And yeah. don't forget, we got good detroit style hot dog oh yeah yes well and um look i'm a sucker for sigma derby some of my most <laughs> that game is so fun you better hurry actually i've got lsd <laughs> memories of, of yeah. sigma derby to be honest i've got yeah like yeah. i've done some stuff they're, they're done derby. cannibalizing parts they're they have oh, to start God. fabricating parts so yeah you better hurry uh, so anyway that i did that this week and i'm going to take a cue from gemini and save my most recent meal for the news yeah. section of the show rich to celebrate your return what did you eat well, I was in Portland and the Willamette Valley, as I said. Uh, two trips 100 miles south to Eugene to see my Oregon Ducks win a couple of football games. Let me talk about something that Portland has that I don't think we have here, and you've, you've got some intel on that. Food carts, not the big trucks, but the carts. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're actually sort of trailers. They're parked together in a block. It started decades ago in downtown Portland, taking over some underused parking mm -hmm. lots. Yep. Um, now there are dedicated spaces that won't get wrecked because one of the most popular ones downtown closed about a year and a half ago and the whole block's becoming a high-rise. You oh, know, gosh. monetization. Yes. Uh, 40 carts versus 40 stories. Guess who wins? Put that? them up on the roof. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but there's a, one of those damn elevators. There's a big <laughs> one in Beaverton, which is the, the suburb no, to the west known as the home of Nike. It's a BG's food cartel. It's actually a Las Vegas company, according to their corporation, but mm -hmm. uh, emphasis on the cart. They have about 30 carts, everything oh, under the I sun. Get it. cartel. Yeah, there, it took you a while. Uh, so I over, was just thinking about cocaine there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had a great cheese steak, I had buffalo wings, I had sushi, I had kung pao chicken. Their carts selling Italian, Mexican, Thai, Chinese, Burmese, Ooh. breakfast, barbecue. Bratwurst, empanadas, Mediterranean tea, and of course, poke, because yes. you can't have a place without poke these days. Uh, there's a permanent building they call a speakeasy. Uh, you know, that's my, my new favorite word after program these days. Um, thanks to Oregon's still kind of regressive liquor laws, the carts can't sell any beer and wine. So there's this central building that's sort of half in, half out with wine and beer and cocktails okay. and a lot of TVs and everybody do that. There's also picnic tables out in the open and a big space in the middle with artificial turf, always teeming with little kids playing around as uh, the parents are eating. I found another, there's another fledgling area in downtown West Lynn, which is south of Portland where my daughter lives. There's a couple of areas in downtown Portland still hanging on, but man, it's been a rough two years because the bulk of their customers, office workers, uh, aren't in their offices. Aren't officing. Right. So I, I don't know that this would, concept would work in Vegas because we have all these nice indoor food areas, Block yeah. 19 at the Cosmopolitan, uh, the, the more pedestrian Areas like like here at the Plaza with a sure. McDonald's and a Chinese place and a Mexican place and the Excalibur and uh, um, and even just the neighborhood spots where yeah. you can pop into you know fourteen places in a two block radius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're building one in in, in uh, Fremont, a couple blocks from here, and all that. So I, I and I just don't see me sitting outside in July after going to <laughs> a couple of carts. 
I like a nice air-conditioned casino. Well, look, it is worth noting that shortly before the pandemic forced everyone to reset their plans for everything forever, uh, our friend Ralph Perrazzo was spearheading a plan to bring food carts to the arts district. Mm-hmm. Food carts to the arts district. I actually attended a few meetings. I spoke with some members of the arts district business community about it. I believe the city was involved, and as I distinctly remember attending a meeting on the back patio of Rebar. Yep. Uh, I was there with an RJ photographer. It was during these early days where everyone was spaced out far apart from each other because there was this COVID <laughs> thing going around and we were wearing masks and awkwardly trying to shout through our mask, pulling them aside. You remember those days. Oh, yeah. Anyway, early pandemic. Uh, <laughs> then 2020 happened and Ralph started his hot dog company. The Arts District got new restaurants. They got new outdoor spaces. And as far as I know, that initiative is kind of DOA or at least comatose right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's needed so much uh, anymore over there because they have other things, but um, I could be wrong on that one. So if any of our Arts yeah. District friends have an update, please reach out. But uh, I figured I should share that. I f- think yeah, now that you say all that, I recall that uh, one of our favorite regulars here from the Arts District was vociferously, vehemently, loudly against that. Well, because he owns a restaurant. Exactly. I'm not sure who you're talking about. James Trees. Yeah. I don't remember James not at all. Oh, yeah. at the time. But part of it, too, is they were talking about the issues that the... So, um, and I'm not trying to put anybody into the fight that wasn't in it, but the idea was that you've got Garage East and Main Street and, and Casa Don Juan and you've got Esther's and Taco Terry and, and all of these people trying to build stuff around there. And who was going to take care of the trash? There wasn't a very good plan for that. Who was going to take care of restrooms? There wasn't a very good plan okay, for that. Okay, you right. guys, you're, we are confusing two issues right now. You're talking about the food truck, truck. lot. Yeah. There was huge opposition yeah. to the food truck lot. Okay. Um, yeah, and a lot right. of that had to do with the people who were involved with doing the food truck right. lot. And just because they're very litigious people that I don't want to hear from over there, I'm not going <laughs> to rehash some of that sure. shit. But no, food truck lot. A lot of opposition to okay. it. And it was crushed, that okay. idea. So uh, I am right. mixing it up. I apologize. Food carts, yes. very different. Um, I believe James was interested, was a supporter of it. Oh. I believe. Don't want to speak for James. But at the time, the idea was, that I remember them saying, well, should they have to close down at night during dinner hours? Or okay. can they keep them open later? They were toying with those ideas. And I remember some restaurants saying, I don't care if they're open during dinner hours. This is for people that are shopping from place to place, want to grab a bite, like while they're going from antique right. store to here to there, right? So that, that was what okay, they Okay, yeah, that's about. a very different concept. Okay. I, I, yeah. I stand back. And also, that. like the, the, the Beaverton model, the space is owned by a corporation. It supplies the utilities, the trash, the the water, the power, and all those carts pay rent for that space. Okay. They can come and go, but mostly they, they stay because it, it's a trailer situation. It's yeah. not just driving in and out every night. Well, in the instance they were talking about for the um, Arts District, they were going to be designated spots. Okay. Um, they were going to have their license or whatever for yep. designated spots. Um, of course, the business owners were have had to agree they would have talked to them about you know who was going to maintain all that so it was it was very in that that instance there was a lot of cooperation so if they do ever revive it down the arts district anybody down there give me a call if you hear anything about it i am actually have to text ralph today so i'll ask him might as well ask him see if he can share anything cool please do so coming up in the news a popular dinner spot opened quietly for lunch this week a new pop-up series is introduced at a local favorite a local brewery celebrates an anniversary, and apparently Al has something to say about his meal last night. Oh my. But first, recovery in the restaurant workplace, and we meet the new owners of the Hard Hat Lounge. This is Food and Loathing. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So if you listen to this podcast with any regularity, you know that I, like a lot of people in this industry, am a little troubled by mental and um, and physical health issues confronting the restaurant industry. Um, that includes, although we may not have spoken about it in detail here on this show, um, substance abuse, substance use, substance addiction problems, things like that. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we know that it is well known and well romanticized in the restaurant industry. And I'm, look, I'm not going to take a stand on that. I've romanticized my own you know substance use and abuse many times over the course of my life but if we're going to do that and if we're going to talk about it we should also talk about it honestly we should talk about what happens when it becomes a problem um we should talk about what happens when it becomes a problem before it costs people their lives so with that in mind i saw my friend john anthony from all of our friend john anthony from sparrow and wolf on tiktok at las vegas city hall talking about national recovery month i said john i'm not sure exactly what you said because it was a short clip why don't you come on my podcast and talk about it. So here we go. I mean, if we are going to talk about the fact that many of us do it, let's talk about how to keep it from costing us lives and careers and things like that. And here's John to tell us about what he was talking about at City Hall. We've had the opportunity a few months ago of getting involved with the recovery-friendly workplace. Uh, I had the fortune of uh, having a great relationship with Mark Steele. I've uh, worked with Mark many, many years ago at Pure Management, and uh, about a year and a half ago, we were running into issues with hiring. So Mark has RHI, which is the Restaurant Hospitality Institute, uh, and he and I had been speaking about some of his graduates coming through. Uh, at that time, he was just starting to get involved with uh, recovery-friendly workplace uh, 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 initiatives and bringing on uh, students into his classroom that were coming from the recovery programs themselves. Uh, from there, we had a great opportunity to bring in a couple of employees that have been uh, with us uh, since that day that we hired them, about uh, 18 months now, uh, one both at Half Bird and here at Sparrow and Wolf. And uh, from uh, that relationship, Mark reached out to me about four months ago to introduce me to his sister, Samantha, who's one of the directors at the Recovery Friendly Workplace. Uh, now, this is a federally funded uh, program. Uh, Nevada is one of the, um, uh, the flagships. Oh, you got it? Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, Nevada is one of the flagships uh, in this in the U.S. for it, and the idea is uh, bringing uh, people out of recovery uh, into the workplace and having employers that have gone through training to be uh, 
familiar with what they've gone through, what they're going through, and the opportunities to ensure that they can continue to stay working even if they do happen to go into a relapse or, or a bit of a, 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 a off of the recovery program itself. Um, so from there, uh, I had to go through two classes, uh, uh, both of them online as much, much as anymore. And um, it was myself, a young lady out of California, and another uh, couple here in Nevada as well. Uh, and it was really teaching us uh, about where they were coming from, these, re- the, these people coming out of recovery. And if it was, uh, if it was drugs and alcohol, uh, if it was something that they were coming out of recovery with um, – mental uh, issues if they were having uh, stress that that pushed them too far, whatever it was that was putting them through. It wasn't just drugs and alcohol. So after that, uh, we were able to be a recovery-friendly workplace. We've got that actual designation. Uh, And from there, uh, it gives us the ability to bring in the the candidates, um, interview them as we would anyone else, and and put them through our training program. but they know that they have the opportunity to come with, uh, to us with open door policies. So a lot of that is where, where we wouldn't – we've been practicing this since we've opened. It's been very important to Brian and I since we've opened Sparrow and Wolf to have this, this attitude towards our staffing. Um, drugs and alcohol are obviously very prominent within the industry that we're working in right now. And, and for us, we've always had that open door policy and the opportunity for the, uh, the staff to come through and speak with us. What the recovery friendly workplace designation did was give us a little more access to programs that we can offer to them. Um, there are kits that are being built out and you're going to uh, local uh, businesses that have overdose kits for fentanyl uh, that people can take without any type of question or, or worry. Um, my daughter is going to go to Life is Beautiful this weekend. You know, it's not that I'm worried my 15-year-old daughter has it, but, you know, as, as teenagers and, 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 you know, and young adults are going there, these types of kits and having access to them hopefully are going to give a lot of opportunity to uh, keep people from having, uh, you know, testing kits for their, uh, and anything that they're taking or anything that's man-made. Um, so those will be coming into the workplace as well. And then for us, it gave us a little bit more training on the empathetic side of it and, and being able to speak with those, uh, those candidates as they come in to become an employee as well. Now, from our side, we've ended up hiring a couple more, uh, both for Halfbird and Sparrow. And it's been great because when someone's given a second chance or a third chance or whatever amount of chances it takes, I, I feel like they very often grasp onto it and have a lot more passion about where they're at. And everybody that we brought in hasn't proven me wrong at this point. They've, they've been very excited about working here. They promote it within their, uh, their programs. Um, we, we have an opportunity coming up uh, to do an open house uh, for hiring with one of the houses. And the young lady that we hired for uh, Halfbird actually asked me if she could come along and be a spokesperson for it. And I absolutely love that because she's been through that system. So what I spoke about directly... What I spoke about directly uh, at, at that event down at City Hall, which was really the kickoff for recovery uh, month here in the city of Las Vegas, and the idea of the event was to bring um, business owners into a room to realize that recovery is an important part of the growth of a community. Um, you know, not just from the, uh, the, 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 the responsibility that we have to the individual, but from a fiscal side point as well. I mean, the massive amount of loss, they were quoting a number that was over $2 billion a year that they, can, that they lose 
um, in recovery uh, uh, addicts uh, in the uh, in the workplace, uh, whether it's uh, it's just time lost uh, from them taking time off or not being there, from having to lose people and retrain, uh, from theft, all of the types of things that go into it. So as a community, really kind of bonding together and understanding that if we attack it and bring it out of the darkness and into the light, then we have the chance to actually address it and and possibly you know bring a couple people uh, back into society where they feel like they contribute to it. So you've um, you, one of the things that you mentioned in that just that brief clip that I saw was that you work in an industry that has really romanticized substance abuse. Um, and certainly I come from journalism and we have our own romanticization of substance abuse. Um, and I've covered rock and roll, which has its own romanticization of it. But how what you're talking about now when you describe this is being very accepting to people who have been through recovery. And that that seems out of character for other industries where people like where if if you have a drug or alcohol problem or if you simply use drugs or alcohol to excess a lot of employers will immediately just look down on you you would never let them know that it happened is it different within the restaurant industry because there is such a romanticized version of it is it harder to get people to recognize when they do have a problem is it harder or is it easier for you to deal with employees with a problem because it is so common within your industry Again, I, and, I, and I think you hit the nail on the head with us romanticizing it, right? And we speak about it a lot where, you know, one of the first books I picked up before getting involved in it is obviously Kitchen Confidential. And, and you know, and Bourdain's great at talking about the pirate ship and all of that atmosphere. And it made it sexy. It made it cool. Um, uh, you know, pick a movie uh, uh, that has to do with a chef or a restaurant. And if there isn't drugs and alcohol in it, it's probably not a very well done movie. And and we just had a, a for years and years had to kind of accept that that it was part of it and i think that you're seeing a new generation of restaurateur coming up where we don't want that to be part of our uh, uh of of our rooms we don't want the shift drink at the end of the night we aren't uh promoting uh let's get done work and all go out and meet at the bar to complain about the guests that came through our doors uh it's a much more healthy environment that we're trying to portray within the space and i think a lot of that begins and, and i spoke about the layers when i was at uh, city hall because I, I think there's a lot that goes into that um we not only the party atmosphere because of the high energy of the room itself the fact that we promote selling alcohol within the, uh, the space. Um, but very often the, in the years past, there wasn't a, a living wage that was offered up to the employees that were in restaurants. And if you're constantly working as hard as they do, especially in the kitchen, and you're barely able to make your rent, you're barely, you can't afford insurance for your family. Um, if you're constantly trying to uh, scrounge up a couple of pennies to make sure that your kids have clothes, whatever it may be, then there's depression and depression very quickly allows us to fall within that set of uh, drugs and alcohol to bring us up out of that depression. And that's the cycle that you would just see so often within these rooms. And it was, uh, it was, it was desperately sad. I mean, we've all been touched by it. If you have any type of family within the restaurant industry, what we wanted to do here at, at Sparrow and, and, and any of the companies that we have uh, passed this with Halfbird and the Spaghetti on the Wall group is to make sure that our staff has a, a living wage that makes them feel proud about where they're working, where they're not worrying that every two weeks they're going to uh, tap that paycheck completely to the end. They're going to be able to save a little bit. So by offering up programs uh, where we bring in a realtor and a broker to teach a class on how they can buy a home 
and uh, t- whether they're tipped or, or waged um, by bringing in uh, a, 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 a bank that actually gives them an opportunity to teach them where, you know, where to save their money, what to do with investing. Um, these are a few of the different programs that we've done with Sparrow to help, hopefully give them a lift out of it and give them something healthy to focus on, not getting off the shift and going to the bar and throwing $20 into a slot machine. Uh, For me, I I think there's so much that goes into the drug and alcohol addiction within this space. And a lot of it begins with being being proud, uh, having a sense of pride within what you do that allows you to feel comfortable with who you are past the drugs and alcohol. As an employer, how do you and as an employer who's come up through an industry where substance whether you call it abuse or just enjoyment of substances, it has been so just such a part of the lifestyle. How do you deal with recognizing when it is just something that's going on? It's a, you know, it's a, I don't want to say healthy. I don't know if there's ever a healthy way to get a little wasted and you know do a couple lines at the end of the night. But you know, we we all did. The, many of us did this on our way up. But we got to the point we were lucky enough to survive it. And it can appear a little judgmental looking at other people and saying, well, you guys shouldn't be doing this. But at the same time, if you're not there with the hand to help them when they do need help, then are you contributing to the problem? And and we know that these problems have tragic consequences very frequently. So how do you balance that of, of, you know, not being judgmental, but being helpful? I think a lot of it has to do with speaking about it doesn't it? Like where in the past where it was fine to get a little wasted and do a couple lines at the end of the night. And again, we all had, uh, but it wasn't something you spoke about, you know, throughout the, the shifts. It was just something that was known. And, and in, in, in the conversation that I constantly want to have with our staff is to, we bring these topics up. We talk about healthier alternatives, things that they can do outside of it. We've done gym promotions and allow them that opportunity. We've done sound bowl meditation within the room itself and allow them that, 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 that chance to connect there. Uh, but never making them feel like they've done something wrong if they are out there experimenting, if they are, you know, imbibing or whatever it might be, because the guilt factor makes people want to hide it. And, and we don't turn a, a back to them. We want to have the conversation with them. And I think the conversation is super important right now because it allows them to know that, yeah, we have been there and, and we have been lucky to get out of it. But I can tell you five other stories of people who haven't. Right, close friends, family, whatever it might be. And if you can lend a little bit of wisdom, great, but not have to impart it where you're the old man on the mountain. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're going to look and, and, and just call you the old guy. But it, I think it has to be a conversation. You have to be able to bring it up, and you have to allow them to feel comfortable. Um, there's opportunity within the rooms to uh, drop um, a, a, a private message. Uh, for management within our space uh, where they can be addressed later time and it doesn't have to be in front of a group. Uh, There's always open door policies for conversations before or after shifts. Uh, You know, these these employees coming to you can't feel like the second they have that conversation that they're going to lose their job. And I think that's a big part of where you're talking about the corporate America that shuns it so heavily uh, you know, we don't drug test in the restaurant industry because we wouldn't have anybody working in the restaurant industry. Well, you know, if you do go on certain um, TV shows and maybe get jobs in casinos, uh, yes. we all know those stories, they, right? They do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I stopped smoking marijuana once I started working in the casinos. True story. I haven't. Uh, it was 12 years that I wouldn't because I was deathly afraid of that that uh, that drug test. Uh, and 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 that, you know, there's a, there's an actual truth to that. So coming into a room like this and not ever speaking 
speaking like a hypocrite, letting them know that I understand where they've come from, that chef understands where they're, where they're at right now. And, and what we want to do is genuinely see them succeed. Then hopefully they're able to take that and, 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 you know, if experimentation's going to happen, they're going to enjoy themselves to a certain degree, but where it becomes a problem is where it becomes habitual. And that's what we try to avoid by building a base and a structure that gives them a platform to not allow that to occur. I think one of the problems in in your industry, I believe, even though I've never worked to, to a great degree in your industry, but certainly in mine and in other industries like the music industry that I covered is um, in some industries, people using drugs and alcohol gets in the way of their job. In other industries where people overwork their staff. People using drugs and alcohol is sometimes the only way people rally themselves for a shift, right? Like there are ways that it's certainly detrimental to the employer in the long run if somebody develops a problem. But get them up for their, you know, 18 straight hours for the 12th day in a row, you know, that's why you're not asking any questions about what they're doing in the in the walk-in or whatever, you know? So, I mean, I guess the the what I'm getting to with this is you seem to have noticed that there's a responsibility on the employers to to not only help people when they have a problem or when they have had a problem, but to give them ways that they don't have to develop that problem in the first place. Oh, 100%. I think a healthy relationship with, with alcohol and, and, you know, to whatever degree drugs is, is something that's really important as well. The hypocrisy of thinking that everybody's going to stop drinking and, 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 you know, partaking is is lunacy or it's, or it's just uh, ego at that point um but for us we establish very quickly within the space we run a, a a no drinking program within the restaurant and i can tell you horror stories of places i've worked in the past that promoted the staff to to drink and continue the party as it were within the room and 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 nothing good has ever come from that right i don't want to walk in and see my accountant with a bottle of vodka on there because he needs to rev himself up for my taxes nor should we do that within this space so if we, we can showcase that, if we are able to show a healthy relationship with, with alcohol where, you know, we will take them out occasionally and we'll go for wine tastings. And uh, if we do go out to a bar, you know, it's a couple of drinks and then we shut it down. Uh, these are the few things that we can do to, that I hope allow them to see a much um, uh, more, more present uh, uh, understanding of my relationship with, that, with any of those items. I, I personally am not in recovery at this time. I had been at one time in my life when I was very young. Uh, it's not something I speak about very often because I've sort of separated myself from that individual. But I think that allows me an empathetic portion when I see somebody going through those where it's not just I'm having a couple of drinks with friends on the weekend with my day off. It's every day I get off of the, my shift. And what I have to do is go out and have four to six beers before I can go home because that's how I decompress. Right? These are the moments that you're really starting to see where that leads to something. And if we can, again, give them a, a, a healthy out, uh, outlet and, and you know, just a better relationship with it within themselves. So it's amazing what you're doing here. And, you know, I've always been a fan of you and Brian, the way that you treat your staffs, the way that you, you view the holistic approach of, to your family and your team. What about another restaurant owner who's listening to this right now and is going, you know what, man, th th these guys are on to something, right? Like this, this needs to be addressed. Um, first, is there any community among other restaurant owners where they could come to you or other people with the program that you're with or really get some advice on how to set up these programs within their own restaurants? 
Um, I love that, and uh, it's it's something I was talking to Samantha about with the restaurant, uh, the recovery friendly workplace, where I'd love to be able to kind of start that initiative. I think a lot of it's going to be um, I'm going to draw something out and actually approach the restaurant association, Nevada Restaurant Association, to uh, set up a, 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 a platform for us all to be able to speak about that and access uh, the the programs that we've been able to seek out and put together uh, for our staff. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I've had quite a few uh, community leaders and business uh, uh, restaurant uh, leaders reach out and ask about how did we do that, Where did who did we contact, and we're, of course, sharing it with all of them. Uh, because you can't be encapsulated. It has to be about community. And that was the exciting part about what we did downtown is it brought in uh, an array uh, of the community. We had uh, construction. Uh, we had medical uh, you know, we had food and beverage, uh, we had a uh, gaming and all of us in the room were kind of sharing ideas on how we deal with it, uh, and, and what we're trying to do to move forward past it. So yeah, I, uh, it, it's something that we're working on right now. Uh, I, have approached the, uh, NRA, not the rifle association, <laughs> yeah. but the other guys, uh, about putting that program together. And we're hoping to have something in the next few months that would be able to let everybody reach out and kind of find a, a, a format, whether it's just off of a website or uh, get together with a group. Well, please keep me in the loop on that because I've been trying to figure out how I can lend my voice, maybe sponsor some seminars, get some you know live events. So anything you guys do, please let me know so that I can help. In the meantime, thank you guys for everything that you're doing for the community, man. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Al. We appreciate you. Other big news we have uh, this week. I'll spend some time with the new owners of the Hard Hat Lounge. Thanks for having me up here. Thanks for showing me your cool little office. Uh, could you introduce yourselves to the world? Tell me who I'm talking to here. Yes, I am uh, Robbie Cunningham, owner of uh, Gorilla Pizza and now co-owner of the Hard Hat Lounge. I'm Frank Sidoris, uh, touring guitar player and now half owner of the Hard Hat Lounge. Uh, gentlemen, the Hard Hat Lounge, this is a place that, um, I'll tell you, I would have loved this bar during my heavy drinking days a lot more than I, I have, you know, use for it now. But I love Hard Hat. It's very, I don't know if you you like the um, phrase dive bar or not. To me, it's a term of endearment. But, you know, I used to tend bar at CBGB's, which was like the ultimate dive bar in the world. So to me, I think Hard Hat's, if not a dive bar, then definitely a working class bar, a, um, you know, a down and dirty, get down to the business of drinking kind of bar. Do you think that's a fair description of the place? Absolutely. I feel like it's a, it's a perfect embodiment of like a blue car, collar bar, which you don't see a whole, uh, whole lot of in, in Vegas, especially downtown. So uh, it's definitely got the blue collar the dive vibe to it. And tell people where it's located exactly, because you just said downtown. And I guess, yeah, this does qualify as downtown, but I never quite think of it that way. So where are you guys located? Uh, we're located on uh, South Industrial in New York Ave. So uh, more specifically, Naked City. Um, but yeah. I mean, how far is it really from Main Street? We are right next to Main Street. You know what I mean? We, I don't know how we're not considered Arts District, but as it creeps this way, we are slowly becoming Arts District. So we'll make it Arts District. Yeah. You're going to get artsy in here then, I guess. Oh, That's yeah. all we have to do is get artsy. Yeah, we'll right. figure it out. Cool. Um, so how long has Hard Hat Lounge been here? I know you are the new owners, but how long has the establishment itself been in Las Vegas? So the building was built in 1962. Um, it was a diner at first called the Coffee Pot and then a place called Squaw's Corner up until 1970. There were previous uh, bar owners who owned a bar on, uh, called Bourbon Street over on uh, South First. They moved operations here uh, and became the Hard Hat in 1970. It's been the Hard Hat Lounge since 1970. 
And over the years, I've known a couple chefs who have come in here and tried to make a go of the kitchen. Um, that's usually what got me in here. I mean, you know, I love a good dive bar, but um, even in my hard drinking days, it was usually the chef that was in the kitchen. Most recently, you, Robbie, and I was turned on to, um, to your food through Diana Edelman. Um, right. So I know you're not known as necessarily a vegan chef, but you're kind of beloved in the in the vegan community for the pizzas that you make because you take that very seriously. But you are sort of this new breed of pizza maker who started off more as a hobbyist and then decided to make the jump into it. Could you give me your background as a pizzaiola? Yeah. So I started making pizzas out of my kitchen at home um, from a pan that I bought off Amazon and really just a desire to make something, uh, like a Detroit style pizza that tasted like something that I would eat, uh, back home. So I grew up in Detroit and, uh, moved here about seven years ago. But so I started basically just messing around and sharing my progress on Instagram and had a lot of friends and followers that were excited to see the progress and wanted to try it. So I started buying more pans and buying pizza boxes and making pizzas for my friends. And then next thing you know, it turned into a a little business out of my house. And then uh, the hard hat reached out to me um, October 2020 and uh, or June 2020. And we ended up getting things going. And I've been open since October 1st of 2020 inside the hard hat lounge. And now you were not involved with the hard hat at that time? No, not at all. I was just the supporter, cheerleading yeah. this whole time, you know. But I was on, I think I was, I was home. I wasn't on tour, but I was home and he was just sending progress photos of like, hey, check out the dough, how it looks. Look, the consistency's almost there. And eventually he's like, okay, it's uh, whatever you're, you found the right degrees, the yeah. right oven temperature. And he's like, you got to come down here. So yeah. it was just word of mouth and it really spread fast. Like it was, I don't mean, I don't even know how soon all of a sudden you were delivering and people were posting it and sharing it and it was just blowing up and it just became that like I, I didn't know anything about Detroit pizza personally my dad's from Cleveland so there's no Cleveland pizza <laughs> but man it just blew well, up. you know I, I beg to differ I've got some friends over at um uh, oh where damn where's the place right down the corner from my house Giuseppe's and I'm forgetting oh, but okay. they're a Cleveland crew and they do a type of pizza that I haven't gotten anywhere else in Vegas so um, oh, you may want to check it out sometime I'm surprised I've never had that then Cleveland styles on the up, up and coming yeah. <laughs> but then, okay so I will say this though and this has not, I'm not biased and I promise you because I had never heard of Detroit like I said but then a uh, Detroit pizza but then uh, once I started having this, it's all I wanted. And then it just seemed like all of a sudden it was like the new Pizza Hut, Detroit Pizza. Like it just blowing up in town, blowing up everywhere, and it's still blowing up. Uh, but it's just more authentic, I think. It makes it special for me because I'm like, he's from Detroit. It's a little different, you know what I mean? So, um, okay, so when you started making the pizzas here at Hard Hat, obviously, as I said, they'd been through a lot of of food vendors in this place and the idea always seemed to be just give people something to put in their stomach right was that what they brought you in to do because it seemed like you really blew away expectations oh absolutely yeah they brought me in more so because they they had lost um their previous kitchen tenant and in order to get with the shutdown going on you know because this was october 2020 so everything was kind of like coming out of the shutdown and all the gaming bars had to have their food figured out by a certain date and so they were pretty desperate to just get somebody in here. And I was desperate to get somewhere. I was actually about to move back to Michigan because I wasn't able to find anything. And so they just hit me up right at the perfect time. And we made it work. And uh, it definitely blew their expectations away because I don't think they were expecting the, again, like you said, uh, they're just trying to fill up bellies and just have food for so that they can have their gaming license. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then it ended up actually bringing in a lot of business here. And uh, I can proudly say that the previous owners have told me to my face that, uh, you know, this has been some of the, these were, have been some of the most profitable years for them. So, you know, that was a huge uh, selling point for us to buy the bar. 
Yeah. So how did that opportunity arise? And um, OK, I guess I should say as somebody who recently went into business on my own, how scary <laughs> to um, to take this leap of faith? Um, it's it's honestly, you know, because I've been here for a couple of years, it's uh, and I'm, I've been seeing how the bar has been operating and how little effort has been put in by ownership and management. To me, it was like, we can do this. We can do this. And we can do this so much better. Um, the opportunity came uh, because out of a plea for help, really, um, I reached out. They, they sold the building and business in October of last year. And we had some we have some issues with our equipment to where uh, our cooler isn't up to up to grade or up to code rather um, for what we're trying like for storing food, essentially. And uh, so I reached out to the guy who bought the building through some friends and connections. And I kind of asked him, I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to keep my business here, but the health department is going to shut me down. Is there anything you can do? No, you know, knowing that you bought the building, is there anything you can do to help me out to like upgrade this walk in cooler and this and that? And one thing led to another. He was like, can you meet up? We had a conversation and, you know, uh, he ended up mentioning that the bar's for sale and. I called Frank. I was like, dude, the hard hat might be for sale. We have to buy this. And he was like, we have to buy the hard hat. And then I was like, <laughs> was we have no to buy option. No option. Like you said, it didn't even feel like a leap of faith. It was like, let's just get all this uh, city stuff out of the way and just, it's going to be fine. Like, trust us. You know, that's all it was. I was so excited too. And it kind of, I thought it was about like a six, seven month process. But dude, when did we realistically dive into this? Was it April? Yeah, I feel like April or, or May. Yeah, we've just been... Like grinding stop seven days a week just constantly filling out everything too. and so we're on we're talking every single day just trying to like oh, yeah, get stuff together yeah, 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 yeah. before you came home so you uh, you mentioned this and i feel bad as a guy who covered rock and roll for about 30 years of my life and um you know usually knew who's in everybody's touring band but i've been out of that what bands what band are you in what band do you tour with i apologize for not knowing it's okay uh do you know who slash is from guns and roses i know slash actually i've met him many times and yeah. chatted with him many times over the years so i play guitar with him uh it's been over 10 years now and then i play guitar with wolfgang van halen's band it's called mammoth wvh so most recently we played uh together at allegiant uh it was uh it was guns and i was opening with the wolfgang band mammoth so um yeah it's been a long time playing with those guys cool well i don't know wolf for anybody in that band but i have met slash a few times over the years tell him i say hi next time you see him i'll tell you a slash story after we finish with this <laughs> yeah. but moving back to food and the hard hat and pizza going forward um you know i see there's a lot of work that seems to be going on here what is your goal for the hard hat do you want it to keep that working class vibe do you want to keep it as that there can be an, a decent dive bar right so do you want it to remain a divey kind of bar or are you looking to totally renovate it and make it into something different well you mentioned uh, the dive bar term almost being kind of you know a bad thing, but it's uh, I really we've leaned into that as hard as we could. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: there's a, there's a difference of like leaning into the history of a bar like this and being a dive bar, but then just kind of maintaining it and cleaning it up because you got to remember this has been decades of a 24-hour gaming bar, and there's a lot of grime and uh, you know exposed wiring that just needed to be gone, you know. <laughs> And multiple times since we opened, just a couple, I don't know, the last three days, people are like, it just feels bigger in here. Why is that? I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's the hundreds of pounds of cable that's just not <laughs> hanging from the ceiling right now. But that's the thing. It's like we both, uh, I was born here. I love the city more than anywhere in the world. And, and even though he was not from here, it feels like he is. And based on how much he appreciates this town and wants to just be, he is a local. It's like as far as I'm concerned, you know. Usually you don't get that status for under 20 years, unless uh, 20 years <laughs> 
but I don't know. We love it. We love the town. We want that spot for the uh, the industry, the people that come from, you know, you just finished your, your shift uh, dancing in a show at Cirque or something. Just come on down, hang here till 2 in the morning. It's like we just, I always loved that. That was a part of my life. You know, my mom was a dancer, and, and I was always just in that world. And I, and I just, I love that. I, I want to uh, just keep it kind of. Like the lighting has to be right. You know, there's a dive lighting, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? The lighting has to be right. The jukebox has to be right. I mean, everything has to be. And it doesn't, it's not as predictable as someone might expect, like all of that. It's, a, it's tough to set the tone for yeah, a dive it's bar. kind of here. And like, you know, we even said in the very beginning when it was just like, are we doing this? It was, Robbie's like, dude, if you look at this, we don't have to do anything. And it's already just a cool business and it's fine. But it's like once we throw our entire network at it, our entire, you know, years of uh, networking and just, just our friends and family. It's going to be a whole other world, you know? And, and the other So thing, any chance of live music here? Is it big enough to have live music and will you be doing anything? Absolutely. I mean, because it used to have live music all the time downstairs. It's nothing like 100-watt amps uh, worthy because I'd kill people, but we definitely have the idea of, like, you know, we can make, uh, whether it's like a jazz trio or just smaller rock bands can play downstairs. But um, the plan is to actually have, you know, utilize our friends in the business that can build us a pro stage, something outside, shut the parking lot down and make an actual event. You know what I mean? Yeah, we plan on focusing very heavily on having uh, parking lot parties and that kind of stuff, especially in this in this divey little neighborhood, too. It's a uh, it's a fun vibe where, you know, where it's uh, it's it's off the beaten path. It's but it's still like something to go do. Um, and yeah, we, I know we intend to have like some live music with that. We int- definitely intend to have DJs on the weekends and get some eighties nights in here, some goth nights, like mix it up, you know, karaoke too. Uh, you know, you, you got to do karaoke. Karaoke. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Sounds great. Plus you got the dispensary across the street advertising the home of the $35 eighth or something like that. So, um, you know, reasonably priced weed nearby. I don't know if people partake. So it sounds great guys. Um, thanks for chatting with me about this. I appreciate hearing about it. I can't wait to come by and check it out, man. I'm going to have to, you know, wake myself up, get back into my old habits a little bit and come down and enjoy this yeah, joint. Ju- jump off the wagon. Sure. Just yeah. whatever. Whatever sobriety. Just right. Absolutely. For, to support a business. Why not, man? You know? Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, you know, we're happy to have you, too. So <laughs> It's a pleasure being had. Thanks. Forte, Anima, Table 34. They are all in our news segment. Up next, this is Food and Loathing. That clackety clack clack you hear in the background is the sound of our virtual newsroom packed with imaginary reporters excitedly hustling to tell you what's new. Give me a rewrite. Gemini, <laughs> you have anything hot off the presses? You know, I have a couple of things. Uh, really briefly, I saw something on social media. I have reached out to try and get some interviews, but it looks like uh, Nina Manchev of Forte Tapas in the Spring Valley area. I think it's Flamingo and Rainbow. Do I have those correct? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, she's going to be doing a guest chef series. Um, chef Josh Bianchi has already posted something about it. Um, so hopefully I'm going to be chatting with her today, getting some details and setting up an interview so we can get some more information on that. Cool. So that should be it. a lot of fun. Um, Your big so... share. What is it? What is it? Come on, come on, come on. Right. Secret. My, big, got a secret. my big share for the week, which, uh, you know, I'm going to, it's not totally scooped, but I kind of felt like it did. I wanted to bring that up since you uh, like that so much. Um, very, very quietly on Sunday, because I, lo- I watch all of the social medias, I happened to see a 15 second story, those kind that disappear. Mm-hmm. And all it said with a red background was lunch, <laughs> anima. 
So I immediately texted Roberto Liendo, who is the managing partner over there, asked him what this meant. And he said, oh, yeah, by the way, we're opening for lunch tomorrow. So I snagged a table for two. Uh, I took our friend Leanne, also known as good for spooning on the social media, and we had lunch. Super, super excited. You know, I had to jump on it. Uh, I did take a moment to talk to Roberto about what they wanted to build when they opened for lunch. During our trips uh, through uh, Barcelona as well as uh, Los Angeles and other areas, we had a lot of fun having lunch. Um, and uh, what we found is that we fell in love with the vegetables, with uh, uh, the freshness of the food, the simplicity of the flavors. And uh, we really wanted to bring that to Las Vegas. We want to bring something new, uh, something with a Spanish touch, with the Italian uh, spin to it, but yet uh, something that you get up light from the table that you can share just uh, as much fun as you have for dinner. Uh, and uh, Chef can really translate that. He really surprised me with this new menu. So we're very excited to introduce this to Las Vegas and Summerlin area. I also had a minute really quickly with chef partner Oscar Amador and he added a few thoughts as well. So for for me for me the lunch is like very important because I'm Spanish and then and, uh, and the lunch the lunch in Spain maybe is the most important meal for the day and I wanted to you know to bring here something like fresh like fresh you know in plates and ingredients and do something very very light but at the same time you know keeping the the line and the concept that we we develop here anima or edo like in the same line right and uh, maybe a little more casual but at the same time keeping the the best the best quality of the ingredients a few of their must-haves, menu must-haves, are on the lunch menu. Um, if you've had dinner there before, if you've eaten at EDO, you know there are a few things that cross menus. But for the most part, we counted it up. There's something like 55 or 65% of the menu for lunch is only for lunch. So we tried quite a few things. Uh, we tried a snow pea and Bosque pear salad um, with just beautiful textures. It had some ginger, miso, toasted sesame, black garlic, figs, and hazelnuts. There's a dinner version with scallops, but this lunch one is a lot lighter. We also tried the oxtail and black trumpet mushroom croquetas with romesco. Um, you know, we I asked for some more sauce for next time. Uh, the mushroom toast was amazing. A, big good group of different mushrooms the toast was charred well it had some nice greens on it but what really really stole the show was this mortadella agnolote with spinach pistachio pesto and parmesan they hit it with just a bit of brown butter and a dash or two of chili and it was just the perfect Shit. bite and to quote leanne she said that it was one of the best dishes she's eaten all year, complimenting the texture of the pasta and noting that all of the components worked beautifully. It's a great lunch if you want to read more about it. I did post yesterday uh, on offthestrip.com. So we put a story up. We described the food a little bit more, and there's photos. So please go check it out. Cool. Sounds great. Um, okay, so some news I stumbled upon, right? I was looking to schedule a business dinner last night with someone who lives in Henderson. Called to make a reservation at one place I'd been wanting to try over there, but they were closed unexpectedly. So I decided I'm going to go try Table 34. Yes. Now, for those who don't know, this is a Henderson Culinary Institution. Yes, there are such things. 
things. You know, back you go back 20 years when I moved to this town, Henderson had two off-strip restaurants that were considered great. You had Todd's and Table 34, right? Yep. And they're both still in business. Yep. But, you know, it, it's been a little while since it, I've been to, to either of them, sure. to be honest. And I like them both. They're both actually on the Neon Feast app. Um, a lot of people like them that are among my group of experts. But I've been meaning to get back in there recently. Table 34 is what I'm speaking of here. Because after years of not hearing very much about it, it's been getting some buzz. I'd heard they had a new chef. There's Joe Valdez, who was most recently at Aria. They have a big wine dinner planned with our friends Bob Cranston, Bordeaux Bob, and John Church. Chef John Church, that's coming this Monday, September 26th. By the way, tickets still available. A buck seventy-five. That's $175, including tax and gratuity. <laughs> You're not over at, people. Yeah, over at secretburger.com. Um, but the place has been generating this buzz. So I'm like, I've got to go try, check it out. So I walk in. Look at it. It looks nice. Very, very nice. Suddenly, walks over to my table is um, Evan Glussman, son yeah. of Freddie Glussman of the Whoa. Piero's family. Now, I've seen, I know him, but I just saw him a week and a half ago at Piero's, <laughs> right? I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's following me. Um, and, you know, he told me he had to get away from Freddie for a little while and was there for dinner. <laughs> oh, God. But it turns out, and I don't know that they've announced this publicly, but the Piero's family purchased Table 34 from the, I think it was a brother-sister that had run it for so many years. So, um, you know, they, they've got a new chef in there. They're doing some new dishes. I'm super excited to see what they do. I mean, if you think about it, this place has, you know, probably almost two decades worth of history in Henderson. The locals love it. Who is going to take it over and maybe spruce it up, give it a little makeover that it may need after a certain amount of time, but also still retain a little bit of integrity? Absolutely. I can't think of anybody better than the Glusmans yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. It seems fucking perfect. So, um, look, I Evan wanted me to try the pork belly. I did not because I had just been to a bacon tasting <laughs> that day. Um, instead, my, my friend and I, we shared some oysters on the half shell. We did a sausage and mushroom pizza. I had salmon ravioli and Whoa, cherry cream nice. sauce, which was pretty rocking. I really dug that. So, so, um, hey, new shit at Table 34. All you get your asses in there. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Henderson, M Resort has announced the opening of what they'd call a hockey lover's dream. The Nighttime Hockey Bar. That's night, K-N-I-G-H-T. Will open October 5th. Uh, they say it's, uh, it's all nights. We're talking silver nights, of course, along with golden nights. Talking Henderson. The folks at M promise it will be the best location to watch the Henderson Silver Knights games. Grand opening party on the 5th, star-studded hockey event, then the official grand opening for the public at 6. Uh, anyway, get there at 6 and you'll be fine. Yeah. We'll head over there to interview somebody later this week and we will have details. Absolutely. I should also mention a couple last things while we got the news. Um, Craft House Brewing, um, they are doing their... Anniversary? Seven, seven years. Seven or eight years. Damn, I just talked to him about it. Now I forget. It's a big anniversary for them. It is a big anniversary party. Um, <laughs> congratulations to them. It's amazing the amount that they've changed the local craft beer scene in a very, very short period of time. They are also excellent people, Dave and Wendy. They're having a big party on Saturday night. I know you've I've got a thing that i got to go to. A, yeah, you a, do. Award show Speaking thing. Speaking of bacon and, and pork. And, well, yeah. and <laughs> you've, got, you've got a big shindig going on. So I don't know if any of us. Rich, you want to go over and hold that? You want to represent us at the Craft House event? No, I'm going to. Oh, you yeah. Gemini's thing too. Okay. Yeah. But um, we wish them the best because I love the people at Craft House. Absolutely. If you're around Henderson on Saturday or take a trip to Henderson on Saturday, please go out and support them because they are great people. We'll and do if, some support. We'll bring some Craft House beer into the party. There you go. Sounds that's great. That's what we'll do. And I think that's about all we have time for this week. Thank you to everyone who spoke with us. I'm talking John Anthony, Robbie Cunningham, Frank Sidoris, Robert Liendo, Roberto Liendo. Jesus, I'm 
sorry, Roberto. I fucked up your name there. I'm, it's, I'm reading this stuff. It's not. It wasn't personal. Oscar Amador, I love you too, man, and I got your name right. Anyone else I forgot to mention, be glad, because I probably would have mispronounced it. <laughs> hey, please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, and spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. If you have a question or comment, reach us directly by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And I got to plug it. If you're interested in what I'm up to, you want to get to know me a little better, you want to see my bar, maybe you want to come to a pig roast on Saturday. Hey. Find my social media at wishbone. Oh, God, I can't even do that. You don't even know your own social <laughs> media. Wishbone and Vine, and there will be a link tree. You can find all the stories I write. You can find links to this podcast. So... There you go. And, of course, if you haven't done it yet, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Download the Neon Feast app. Find it. In your there, and we, there, there, we there. Now I've screwed it up. up. Yeah. the end. Yeah, oh. we got the hat trick. Leave it okay. there. You All right. It. Yeah, dining destinations, whatever you need. You know, you download it, you look at it, and just go eat some dinner. It's an app. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, free. Yeah. Use it. And I can maybe yeah, make yeah, money yeah. one day out of my <laughs> Hey, and if you want to know what color my hair is this week or any week, you got to tune in to the CW every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. If you missed me this week, you didn't see the new color, so you are missing out. Um, you can also catch me now and then all week long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, and 98.9 at the river. And then every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m., I'm on the club at AM 670 KMZQ. And I think that's it. I don't think we're going to screw anything else up because there's not a lot of words left to say. <laughs> With Samantha Gemini Stevens and producer Rich Johnson, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry, people. Stay hungry, people.